Hello, everybody. It is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate everyone's support. As always, we got a lot to get into this episode. It's All-Star Break, which I'm definitely very, very excited uh, excited for. We're going to be doing some All-Star predictions. I want to talk about the Celtics, the Nuggets, Blake Griffin getting bought out, uh, who should be buyers and sellers at the 2020 uh, one NBA trade deadline, and then I want to do a bit of a recap of how the 2020 NBA draft is proving everyone wrong so far. So yeah, let's just get right into it. First thing I want to talk about is the Boston Celtics, who've been playing some very, very good basketball recently. Obviously, it's been a super up and down season for them. They've looked really, really bad at some points, hit rock bottom when we weren't even in the top eight of the playoffs but the Celtics have won three games in a row and have just looked much better as a whole recently Uh, I think it all starts off with Kemba Walker and the way he's been playing he's finally been able to catch some consistency and I really hope the all-star break doesn't slow down his momentum because that would be really tough to see didn't have a great game against Toronto but other than that he's been playing really really good basketball recently had a great game against the Clippers was huge in us getting that win Uh, Very solid against Washington and then killed it against Indiana. And he's just the big X factor for this team because he adds such a nice dynamic to this roster that they really do need at times. Because while Tatum and Brown are obviously phenomenal, they're amazing players. Uh, Those two guys can go cold at times, especially Tatum, as good as he is, has the tendency to uh, miss some shots at times and can, again, go cold. Uh, So having a third guy who can step up and get buckets when this team is lacking depth the way they are is definitely a big, big thing for us. And just having another option down the stretch, which allows the offense to be less stagnant because it definitely can get stagnant uh, down the stretch. It's so big that Kemba's playing good basketball for us. Uh, Also, he can bring playmaking, which is something this team definitely needs at times. And I do just love what Kemba Uh, can bring if he's consistent because he is a guy who has just sacrificed his personal stats so much for winning games which is so respectable you can just tell how much he cares about winning this guy has been a first option his entire life and now he's going to be the third option on a team and even though he definitely struggled with that role a bit at first I think he's starting to really uh, play in that role the best way he can and he's just looking much much better really really like to see what I've seen from Kemba he looks healthy again uh, has that burst and at the end of the day he's just hitting shots which is obviously very important Uh, I really hope COVID stops affecting Tatum as much as it has it's definitely caused him to slow down quite a bit I mean he was phenomenal to begin the season and he still had a lot of very very good games he was amazing down the stretch in the Wizards game just completely closed that game out Uh, he was very good against Toronto uh, but he's just had some really inconsistent moments and I think it is mostly him coming off COVID he's had a lot of his worst games of the year uh, recently and it's definitely just affected people in different ways like some people get hit by it super super hard I think we're seeing that in Tatum and it's And a guy like Seth Curry as well, uh, where they just really struggle with their conditioning. He definitely has seemed tired at times because even though he's coming off COVID, he's had to play such big minutes. Like if we look at these minutes, 38 against Indiana, 39 against Washington, 40 against the Clippers and 37 against Toronto. These are a lot of minutes to be playing. 
for someone who's coming off that sickness. He's playing 36 minutes a game this year. So hopefully, obviously he's in the all-star game. He's in three-point contests, but that won't be nearly as much as playing games consistently. Uh, so hopefully that can be a nice little rest for him to just reset and get back to playing the basketball. We know he can on a consistent basis because Tatum obviously has the talent. He was so incredible to start the year. And I think once he gets going, it's really going to be scary because that is the one thing I'm still worried about with this team is that the big three just haven't been able to click all at once yet. Uh, it seems like when uh, whenever Tatum has a good game, Kemba can't have a good game. Whenever Kemba has a good game, Tatum can't. Uh, those two just haven't really been able to click so far. And then randomly, like, Brown will have an underwhelming game. Um, so hopefully those all three can click because once they do, that's scary. Once they do, that's three all-star caliber players. And then you have decent role players around them. This is the one thing I want the Celtics to address most at the trade deadline. I continue to... Uh, continue to see these super casual fans saying that uh, the Celtics need center so badly, and like obviously, if we could get Nikola Vucevic, I would be, I'd be thrilled. I would be so excited. But depth is by far a much bigger issue for the Celtics and wing play as a whole, which sounds weird because we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But when you look outside of that, that's when it starts to get very, very iffy and. It's not necessarily that these guys are terrible basketball players. It's just that none of them are consistent. Like Grant Williams had an amazing game against Toronto. He was fantastic that game. But he also makes a lot of mistakes. And I feel like whenever he does something good, the next play he'll proceed to do something bad. He's smart on the defensive side of the ball. But his lateral quickness can kill him sometimes. And a lot of times he's just getting overpowered by players. Uh, he doesn't play really consistent minutes. Uh, I do feel bad for him in a way for sure because he doesn't know if he's going to play 20 minutes one no night or he's not going to play minutes at all. And I do think that's the thing that Brad Stevens needs to figure out is just what his role on the team is. Can't really shoot free throws, so it's hard to trust him down the stretch. He shot the ball very, very well this year, and he's definitely a better shooter than last year, but it's still something that I'm not going to trust. And if we're in a playoff series, teams are going to leave him open. That's just, it is what it is. Uh, Aaron Nesmith has definitely been playing better, uh, but now that we're like fully healthy, he hasn't really been playing as much, which I definitely don't like to see. I want to see him at least get some minutes, and hopefully this doesn't crush his confidence because he was playing some pretty good basketball earlier. Like, it's it's not like he was putting up big stats or anything, but that's not what I need from Aaron Nesmith, and that's not what any Celtics fan should need from Aaron Nesmith. All we need him to do is just be a solid player, which he was. He was hustling. He was hitting his threes at a good rate. Uh, it's still not an amazing percent, but 35%, especially where he started off, that's pretty decent. And it was just, again, him doing all the little things, hustling, getting rebounds, uh, hustling back in transition on defense. And he's far from perfect. Like, he had one play which was pretty bad where he was trying to hustle back and get a chase down block, <laughs> but it it just didn't go very well. <laughs> Sorry for that. It just didn't go very well, as I think it was in the Mavericks game on Jalen Brunson. He was going up the court, and he tried to get the chase down, but it led to an and one. Uh, but it's still just that hustle that you love to see. He really, like, stepped in in that Marcus Smart role of the guy who was going to do all the little things, even if he wasn't putting up the stats, which was awesome to see. Semi-Ojale is just 
not that good. Like, it's pretty simple as that. He shot the ball much better this year, but it's still, it's a very similar case to Grant Williams, where teams are still going to leave him open in the in the playoffs. He's still not really an offensive threat. His defense has always had potential, but he fouls too much, and he's just not reliable. Another thing where it's like he's had good games this year, and he started off very, very solid, but he's inconsistent. Devontae Green is athletic, and that's about it. Romeo Lankford, as much as I like him, I actually really like Romeo Lankford, and I really like his potential, especially on the defensive side of the ball and his ability to slash to the basket. The man cannot stay healthy at all. I swear he's had this wrist injury for so long, and he should be coming back after All-Star break, which is good, obviously. But I just need to see him on the floor before I can really have any takeaways about him. And he's still so young anyway that it's not really reliable. Like, while the big man position isn't great, Tristan Thompson is a decent player. Nothing more than that. Rebounds the ball well. He's doing exactly what we wanted him to. Some Celtics fans are disappointed, and I'm like, guys... Have you ever watched Tristan Thompson? We, If you watch Tristan Thompson, you know exactly who he is, and that's what we're getting. Uh, he does the thing. I'll, I'll say it every time talking about Tristan Thompson. At least once a game, you'll see him try and take someone off the dribble, and it leads to some mixed results. He has one of the most awkward crossovers in the league. Whenever he takes someone off the dribble in the lane and does a crossover, it it's just always hilarious to watch. But he's decent enough. He isn't special or anything, but he's solid and reliable. Daniel Tice is a guy who is another just decent basketball player. He shot the ball better this year. It's still not really a threat, but it's obviously nice to see him shooting the ball uh, better than he did before. And he's a guy who's a solid defender. Fouls a lot, and I feel like refs just hate Tice. Like, uh, he gets so many calls that just blow my mind and confuse me so much. A uh, decent enough rebounder. And while, like, these guys all lack size, which is unfortunate, and that is the thing I do feel like the Celtics are missing out on, like, we're uh, the shortest average height in the league, and we got Taco Fall 7-5 on our team. Um, but... Yeah, all our centers do lack a bit of size, uh, but I do like that in a certain way with a guy like Robert Williams because it does allow us to really just run the floor and push the pace. Definitely want to see Robert Williams continue to get more minutes throughout the season. I know he's still nursing a bit of a hip injury, and I obviously do want uh, them to be safe with that because we want him to be our long-term big. Uh, but he's showed so many great signs this year, and... It's not even just the signs because he always showed signs every single year, but it's just more that he's showing consistent signs this year because that was always the thing about Robert Williams is he would get an incredible block one play and then he would get a stupid foul the next. And while the stupid fouls are still there occasionally, he's cutting down on them and is just looking like a much better basketball player as a whole. He's been all over the floor on defense. His hands uh, seem to get much better. Like He's been getting a lot of uh, steals, blocks shots, And I just love how he fits alongside uh, Tatum and Brown as a young, super athletic big. His ability to catch lobs is just crazy. There's so many times where I think it's a bad pass, but it's actually a perfect pass because Robert Williams is just more athletic than uh, almost every center in the NBA. I really, really like what he can bring to the team, and I think he's the long-term setter for this roster. But I do just think we need to address getting more wings uh, and then just getting more depth as a whole. 
please, Kings, please give us Harrison Barnes. If we could get Harrison Barnes, I would be so happy. Harrison Barnes would be perfect. I mean, if we could somehow pull off Jeremy Grant, I would lose my mind. I would be through the moon about that. Vucevic would be great. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think this team needs to make savvy, smart moves. Get a P.J. Tucker. Honestly, get multiple people from the uh, Rockets. I think the Rockets would be a really good place for us to look to try and uh, make trades. Get a Daniel House Jr. Maybe maybe a Ben McLemore to bring more shooting. Uh, just get more solid wings off the bench. And that's what I think could take this team to a whole nother level. Uh, because everything else seems to... Uh, seem that it's starting to click and it's just looking a lot better for the Boston Celtics. I've been really, really enjoying the way they've been playing recently. Definitely feel much better as a Celtics fan. I'm far from feeling perfect and we do need to make those trades to really become in that contender status and I'm really excited to see what we do do at the trade deadline. Uh, but I like to see that we're aggressive and I like to see that uh, everybody on this roster is improving. Things are starting to click. And when Marcus Smart comes back after All-Star break, when Romeo Lankford is back, and when hopefully we've made some trades, watch out for the Boston Celtics. They could be real, real dangerous. A lot of people have kind of given up on them, and uh, they're kind of an afterthought this season. But don't be surprised if they make a conference finals, or don't be surprised if they uh, push a team that you think is better than them to a seven-game series. Once this team is fully healthy and once hopefully they make some moves, the Boston Celtics will be dangerous. Next team I want to talk about is the Denver Nuggets, who are really starting to click and play some great basketball. Uh, at the end of the All-Star break, they've been playing some of their best basketball of the entire year, won four games in a row. Hopefully they can keep this momentum up, but they have looked fantastic recently. After being in a pretty rough position where they were the eighth seed and it was just not looking good for them, now they're only half a game out of being the fifth seed and just looking much more like the team that we all knew they were capable of. Obviously, Nikola Jokic has had an incredible year, and I really hope they can uh, continue to win games because I just think that makes the MVP conversation so fascinating. Like, I don't even care who you think is better. I think Jokic is better. But at this point, these two guys are playing such ridiculous basketball that I can't get mad at you either way. Jokic is having one of the craziest seasons that I've ever seen. And it's gotten to a point where we've just kind of normalized it because he's been doing this basically the entire year. Like at this point, this is not a fluke. This is going to continue to stay up. Let me just read off these numbers for you. This guy is 6'11", 284 pounds, and is averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds, 8.6 assists, shooting 56.7% from the field, 41.8% from three. 88% from the line with a true shooting percentage of 65.2. What? Like, that is ridiculous. This is one of the better individual seasons we've seen in a long, long while. It's just true greatness watching Nikola Jokic on a, a daily basis. He's Always been one of my favorite players, but it's just been even more fun to watch him this year because I feel like this has been the year where he's finally found the perfect balance between being the playmaker and the facilitator that he's always been 
and taking over games. Because Jokic always had this thing in previous years where while we all knew how good he was, I feel like his motor wasn't always there. Because he's such a pass for a guy, first guy, that's just his instinct is to get his other teammates involved, which is obviously great. And that's what makes Jokic so unique and so special of a player. But I always wanted him to take over more because this dude in the low post, no one can stop him. Like, I feel like his playmaking overshadows how dominant he is in the low post a lot of the time. Especially when we see, like, Joel Embiid, Hakeem Olajuwon, like, footwork. Jokic is just as good in the low post. He may not be as pretty and he may not have as, like, really, really nice of moves, but... He's just a pure dominant force down there. His footwork is still phenomenal. The way he uses pivots is just ridiculous. I remember in the Celtics game I was watching when they played the Celtics a while ago where he scored like 40 that game. They were playing good defense consistently, and he just hit shots anyway. There was this one play that in particular that stood out to me where he did like four pivots, didn't travel at all, perfectly legal, and then just does a super tough fadeaway and makes it like it's nothing. Like, Jokic is a true unicorn. I don't know if we're ever going to see a Jokic type of player again. Like, obviously, there's been bigs in the past who can score in the post and who could facilitate, like a Arvita Sabonis, like his uh, son, Demontis Sabonis. Bam is a great playmaker, but Jokic is just a whole nother level of special, and it's just so much fun to watch him, man. I love when he's just dominating these games because him being more aggressive also just opens up the game for him and his teammates so much more because that allows him to really use his playmaking abilities at the highest level possible that's why we're seeing him average 8.6 assists a game this year which as a center that is just so ridiculous like that is crazy it's been really really special to watch Jokic this year I hope he continues to hit his jumpers because that's something that's just been inconsistent so far throughout his career like he had the year in 2018 almost shot 40 percent on 3.7 attempts per game this year 3.7 attempts is almost shooting 42 percent but he's also shot like low 30s at times it's just something that comes and goes but hopefully it'll be something that is consistent throughout the entire year uh, his conditioning is clearly much better. That's definitely been a thing that has gone under the radar. Like, everybody uh, n knows about his body transformation. Everybody was reacting to skinny Jokic in the bubble uh, last year. But I think it's another thing that has just been normalized that people aren't realizing how much better of a shape Jokic is in. He's playing 36 minutes a game, and he rarely ever looks tired. Like, he is just playing such high-level basketball. Love watching me some Nikola Jokic. And again, I really hope they can keep winning games because if they do, man, that MVP conversation between two centers is going to be crazy. I'll just always talk about this and how much I appreciate the fact that we went from having DeAndre Jordan to ma making pro making all NBA first teams. And even though Prime DeAndre Jordan was pretty good, he wouldn't even be an all NBA player. Uh, he would be like the sixth or seventh best center. To now, there is two centers who are leading the MVP race, in my opinion, and playing some of the most high-level basketball we've seen in the past like 10 years. These guys are both playing incredible, and I think we both just need to appreciate uh, the greatness, and Jokic has been on a whole other planet this year. Jamal Murray has been a big reason why they've been streaking. I have to admit, I was wrong about Jamal Murray. 
See, his elbow injury was something I wasn't really aware about, to be honest. It's one of those things that, like, if you're a fan of the team and if you're following them closely, you're going to know. But if you're more of a casual viewer of that team and it's not like you don't keep up with all the news of that roster, you're not really going to know it. So he was definitely struggling with his elbow injury. And I made a point in one of my videos about the Nuggets about how Jamal Murray's highs are so high, but his lows are also just so underwhelming and he's too inconsistent. Uh, but I have to admit, ever since he's been healthy, uh, he's been playing some incredible basketball. He's up to almost averaging 22 points per game. His three-point shooting, ever since he's been healthy, has been the thing that's been unlocked the most. And this is what I love to see from Jamal Murray. This is the thing that made him so great in the bubble, was his three-point shooting rising to a whole nother level. It's those tough step back, off the dribble, contested threes that are really going to make Jamal Murray the second option that the Denver Nuggets need. He's now up to shooting 6.6 threes per game and shooting almost 40%. That is phenomenal stuff from Jamal Murray. I want to see him continue to just take over uh, from outside the arc. Uh, I would love to see him even take more threes. Take like seven and a half. Take eight. He's that good of a shooter that I really believe he can continue to do that. And I do just hope this uh last because he has had inconsistency th throughout his career but i hope now that he's healthy that he's kind of got over that and he's uh broken past the inconsistencies of his past and now he can be the consistent second option that the nuggets need and if he is that no team wants to face the nuggets in the playoff no team wants to face a nikola Jokic who's playing like the best player in the world and a Jamal Murray who can truly be an elite second option. That team is terrifying to face. So I really hope he can keep it up. I hope he continues to just light it up from outside. And it's just all about his confidence. Uh, I love when he's when he's pulling from 30-plus feet, when he's just taking shots uh, and he's being super aggressive. I uh, really, really like what I've seen from Jamal Murray recently, and he's definitely been a big part of why they've been playing finally to the level that we all knew they were capable of because their second option is finally dominating. They are a team that I would definitely uh, be really, really interested to see if they do anything at the trade deadline because they could be a quiet uh, team that could make some pretty important moves. And for me, it's not even making some like big, crazy trade. I don't think they need that. It's more just making savvy moves to get uh, solid veteran wings mostly because the wing position is definitely something they lack in a bit. Like I like a lot of their wings. I really like Michael Porter Jr. and his potential. I'm a big Jamichael Green guy. Jamichael Green is criminally underrated as a role player. One of uh, the more solid role players in the league. Paul Millsap is a decent forward, even if he isn't who he used to be. Will Barton can have some nice moments, but I think they just need more consistency and more versatility on the defensive side of the ball. That's what I'll always say about them losing Jeremy Grant. Before we all even knew how Jeremy, how good Jeremy Grant could be on the offensive side of the ball, it was always going to be a big loss because of his defensive versatility. And that is something that he really, really brought to this team was the ability to guard all the better wings in the league. And that's what they're missing currently that I think holds them back from being like a championship caliber team. I just can't see them beating the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis there. Like I could see them beating uh, a Utah Jazz. I think that's 
a six or seven game series, and I could see that going either way. I could see them beating a Phoenix Sun Suns. Again, that's a close series, and I could see it going either way. I could e- even see them potentially beating uh, a Clippers team, especially with how they've played in the clutch this year, and I could see them collapsing again. But I think what brings them to the level of a Los Angeles Lakers is a really, really good versatile wing who can score the ball but also locks up on the other side and that's obviously hard to find those players are so valuable because they they are rare for sure and it is funny how like literally if they had jeremy grant i could i almost would even go as far as saying this team could be the favorite in the west that's how important jeremy grant could have been to this team if he stayed and it's unfortunate because it was completely out of their hands they offered him the same contract but Jeremy Grant just wanted to go to a different situation but that'll always be like a somewhat quiet what if for me if what if Jeremy Grant stayed this team could have been crazy um, so I definitely would like to see them make a move for like a PJ Tucker someone who his value is very very low right now you wouldn't really have to give up anything of significance to get him and he would be a nice player for this team uh, there's just a lot of solid enough wings that I would like to see them trade for, uh, in a very similar way to the Celtics. Don't even just go after, uh, don't even just go after PJ Tucker, uh, go after almost all of, uh, the Rockets wings. Uh, like they have a lot of good, uh, good guys on that team who I think you could trade for. Like if the Nuggets could trade for Daniel House Jr., that isn't obviously like a crazy pickup or anything. It isn't going to completely shift the narrative of this team but I definitely think it could be uh, a pretty important uh, mover of the needle for them and could definitely be a big part of this roster you just need that consistency outside of your top two guys and obviously you need to uh, see Jamal Murray be consistent uh, I really hope Michael Porter Jr. can have a better second half of the year he's still been good this year for sure uh, but he's definitely not as good as he was at the beginning of the season. Another guy like Jason Tatum, Seth Curry, that's been hit really hard by COVID and hasn't looked the same uh, since. But I do think he is a huge X factor for them uh, because if he's scoring the way he was at the beginning of the year with Jamal Murray playing more consistent, this team could be so nice. Uh, again, you just need that versatility at the forward position because as much as I loved Michael Green, such a good role player, as much as I like Paul Millsap and he's been solid enough for them this year, uh, those guys just aren't going to cut it when you have to face LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, all these amazing wings. Uh, but other than that, I think this roster is real solid. I think Nick, uh, Zeke Naji is developing into their long-term backup center. He's been very, very good for them this year. He's shooting the ball much better than I ever thought he was going to be able to. I think he uh, could be a really nice energy guy off the bench. Obviously, he's not going to play big minutes because Jokic is so good and they run small ball sometimes, but I definitely think he could be an important part to this team. Uh, Compazzo is a guy who isn't like great or anything, but I love watching him, man. He's one of those guys who just brings that energy for him being 5'10", very, very good defender. And that just all comes from effort and IQ. This guy's one of the smartest basketball minds in the league. Only if he had the size and athleticism to back it up, uh, it's just one of those things that he's always going to be held back by. He's never going to be able to be a great player, but he can be a nice, impactful role player. And again, he's just fun to watch, especially now that he's shooting the ball better. 
Uh, I do think they have an elite backup point guard in Monte Morris. Monte Morris is criminally underrated. Phenomenal backup point guards and one of, if not the best in the entire league. Love him. Uh, so if they just make some smart, savvy moves at the trade deadline and Jamal Murray continues to play the way that he does, I think this team could be real, real dangerous. Uh, I'm really just excited to see what happens with this roster. They've been a ton of fun to watch, and they've been playing some great basketball recently. are starting to look like the team we all knew they could be. And watch out for the Denver Nuggets. This team is looking scary. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about Blake Griffin getting bought out by the Detroit Pistons. This is definitely some very, very interesting news. As I thought, uh, Blake Griffin was just kind of going to let that contract play out because a buyout was going to leave a lot of money on the table, and I didn't think anyone was going to trade for him. But he has interestingly agreed with a buyout to the Pistons, the largest buyout in NBA history. He definitely left a ton of money uh, to go for a championship, which is obviously very, very respectable out of Blake Griffin and just shows where his priorities are at, at this point in his career. He's a six-time uh, all-star, so I mean, he's had the personal success. He just hasn't really had the team success to uh, back it up. So at this point, I do think it makes sense for him to go to a team uh, that will put him in the best position to win a championship because he is... Let's be honest, Blake Griffin is a washed player, uh, as unfortunate as it is because Blake Griffin was one of the most fun players of all time, especially at his peak. He was incredible at a point in time. He's a guy who just isn't the same dude anymore, especially uh, this season. He's been he's been terrible this season. Like he has not been that same guy at all. It definitely has looked like he's just been going through the motions, and it has looked real, real bad for him. It looked really bad in 2020 as well, and it's just another classic case of injuries ruining a potential all-time great career. Uh, this season, he's averaging 12.3 points, uh, shooting 36.5% from the field, 31.5% from three. He's basically a negative in all advanced statistics, all normal statistics. Uh, he has the worst field goal and three-point percentage of qualified players this year. Uh, but he still does bring some positive things to the uh, game that I definitely think will be appreciated by whatever team does end up picking up Blake Griffin, uh, which is mainly his uh, facilitating ability. He's a guy who is a very, very good playmaker, has always shown that throughout his career. Never has averaged like a crazy amount of assists, but he's just a really, really good playmaker. He's got some great vision and has always been able to be a bit of a point forward type of player. He's going to bring some size to whatever team he uh, does go to. Obviously, he's not a huge guy, but uh, a team that is lacking some size per se, like uh Brooklyn Nets type of team could definitely use a Blake Griffin just to bring some size and uh, rebounding ability. Uh, and he does ha have the potential to stretch the floor. <laughs> it is something in his 2019 season especially he did very, very well. That was the year, probably his best year of his career to be honest. He was phenomenal that year. And it's so sad to see him fall off so quickly from that. But he was shooting seven threes a game and was shooting 36%, which as a big man is very, very, very solid. And so his stretching ability, his ability to play make, and uh, his ability to bring some size to the team 
uh, to any team is definitely something that is positive. And I also do just like in general the fact that instead of uh, being a guy who's getting traded, he's getting bought out. Because if he were to be traded, then it would definitely be a really, really risky move for whatever team was going to get him. Uh, just due to the fact that that's such a big contract. But now that it doesn't have that massive contract attached to him, it's a very low risk and high reward reward move due to the fact that uh if he's just a bad player now you just don't really have to play him in uh, your rotation because at this point Blake Griffin probably knows uh the fact that he's not the same player anymore and it's not like he should have a big ego about himself and if he's great then that's obviously phenomenal for whatever team ends up picking him up uh, a team like a Brooklyn Nets if they picked him up and he was uh, somehow a surprising and really good player, that'd be phenomenal for them. And that is obviously something that's been rumored quite a lot. I do think it is a really, really weird fit in Brooklyn just due to the fact that I don't think he really fills any of their needs necessarily other than bringing size and playmaking. I just think they should make more moves that uh, don't have as big of names attached to them but are just uh, players who fit uh, their team better. That's something I really, really want to see them do. And I don't want to see them get attached to this whole uh, name thing. And I just really want to see them instead make smart, savvy moves. I just don't really think this would be the smartest move for them. Uh, I do think the Miami Heat is a really interesting uh, destination for him. They need forward play quite a lot due to the fact that Kelly Olynyk's been uh, pretty bad this year. Myers Leonard is injured, and he wasn't great anyway. Um, so they definitely need uh, that four position quite a lot, and he could honestly start for them if he played well enough. So that's definitely a team that I think he should go to if he just wants to impact winning the most. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, another team who could use some forward play. Uh, that would definitely be a very, very interesting def destination. Before he dealt with all his injuries, I actually thought that could have been a trade spot for him. So I would really like to see him go there. I think those would probably be the best fits. Uh, I mean, it would be pretty hilarious if he went back to the Clippers. Uh, he could go to the Warriors, play some backup four. I think that would be an that'd be an interesting fit because he definitely fits the mold of what the Warriors are going for. Honestly, at this point, I'm just expecting him to go to, like, any contender. And it's just all about what role they play him in. And it's all about how good Blake Griffin could be at this point. Because I don't think he's as bad as the numbers are this year and just as bad as he's played this year. Because you could definitely tell if you watched Pistons games. It just seemed like he was going through the motions. He was uh, understanding that he's not the same player anymore and that this team was going to be really, really bad. So he... Just seemed like he was kind of on autopilot all year, and he was definitely very just nonchalant. Uh, so hopefully with a new team and with him potentially being out of the NBA soon, this really rejuvenates him. Uh, but honestly, no matter how much rejuvenation he gets, I just think the injuries have worn him down so, so much that I just don't know at this point how good of a player Blake Griffin can be. At this point... All he's going to be able to do is be a really good shooter and a playmaker, and that's how he's going to carve himself out a role. And obviously that can still be a valuable thing, but he's never been that good of a defender. So now that his athleticism is going down, that scares me. Uh, he's never been a super consistent shooter. And with that having to be a main part of his game going forward, that does scare me for sure. 
and obviously the injuries are still a big issue. He hasn't even dunked since 2019, and that was something that Blake Griffin uh, used to be amazing at. It just it worries me a lot about Blake Griffin uh, and his future in the league as a whole because I'm worried he's going to fall out of it. And I don't understand how he went from being washed to now the Nets are getting way too much help. It's such a weird thing with NBA fans how the narrative can switch so quickly. Literally the second it was rumored that the Nets were the favorite to get him, everyone was like, oh my god, he! how much help does Kevin Durant need? Uh, it, it's like, bro, Blake Griffin has been a negative these past two years. So obviously I'm hoping for the best for him. I always hope for the best for any of these players, and especially someone like Blake, who's brought so many great moments throughout my time of watching basketball. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him be an impactful player, and I would love to see him get a ring. Uh, but I just don't know how good he is at this point in his career. It's obviously going to be really, really interesting to see what does end up happening with him. Uh, I think this is a good move for the Pistons. Just continue to go for that youth movement. Continue to... Uh, go in the direction of just kind of selling your assets, getting anything uh, you can out of your older players, and just relying on your younger guys. They've had some guys look good recently, so I think this is definitely a good move for them. It's obviously going to be a bit rough on their cap sheet, uh, but you're getting rid of a player that was a negative for you and was getting in the way of uh, younger players playing. I'm hoping this means we get more minutes from uh, Seku Dumboya for sure, more Sadiq Bay minutes. And all those guys can hopefully emerge and be better with the new opportunity. Uh, but I'm really interested to see where Blake Griffin ends up going. It does seem like the Nets are kind of inevitable at this point. Uh, and that's definitely an interesting fit at this point. I just hope he can stay healthy. And um, it's just kind of a wait and see thing for me uh, for Blake Griffin right now. But it was definitely very, very interesting to see him get bought out by the Detroit Pistons. Now let's get into my all-star predictions for all-star weekend. I'm definitely very, very excited for this weekend of basketball. It should be a very, very fun one. Obviously, there's some things that do take away from it, like no fans at the dunk contest is going to be incredibly weird uh, just due to the fact that the fans are kind of always the thing that makes the dunk contest what it is and what makes it so exciting. That's definitely going to be really interesting. But I always love watching the three-point contest every year. That is always an absolute blast. Uh, skills challenge should be interesting and then obviously we got the all-star game uh, first I'll predict what I'm least interested in and that is the dunk contest in 2021 uh, we got some young guys which I think is cool uh, I, I do love when like more established players go into it but I also like when younger guys who aren't really proven in the league can kind of show off and we got Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and Cassius Stanley competing in this one. Surprised to only see three people. Uh, some people probably dropped out. Some people didn't want to do it. I know Jalen Brown de uh, declined an invite. Zion Williamson isn't doing it, which is unfortunate. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, none of these guys are doing it, which is very sad. But we still got some high flyers right here, which I think could be really, really fun. Uh, Obi Toppin is probably going to be the favorite just due to the fact that he's in a big market and he does have some really exciting dunks. But my one thing is it's always hard for me to see a big man win it uh, just due to the fact that it, it just doesn't look as impressive when you're a guy of Obi Toppin's size when you're doing really cool dunks like it is always going to look better for 
a smaller guy like an Anthony Simons or Cassius Stanley when they're doing crazy dunks. And it's just kind of harder to be super creative when you're a guy of Obi Toppin size, even with the hops that he does have. I think it's going to be very similar to like when John Collins was in the All-Star uh, game and he was in the dunk contest. I don't know if you guys remember that because it was pretty forgettable. But his dunks were just super underwhelming, even though we all know he can jump out of the gym. It's just it just doesn't look that impressive with a bigger guy. So I think he's honestly probably going to come last. I would love to see him surprise me. I would love to see him maybe uh, get his teammates involved and do some really cool lobs. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to look as impressive due to him being a bigger guy. Uh, it was definitely interesting to see Anthony Simons be in it, and I think he could pull off some pretty impressive dunks. He is uh, another guy who can jump out of the gym, 40-inch vertical probably, and with him being a smaller guy, it's just all about uh, the creativity that he can pull off, and I'm definitely interested to see that uh, because I do like Anthony Simons quite a lot, but I've never like watched a video of Anthony Simon dunking or anything, so it'll be a surprise no matter what uh, to see how he does. But then we got my winner of the 2021 NBA dunk contest, and it has to be Cassius Stanley for me. Uh, I think Obi Toppin and Anthony Simons are going to do some cool dunks, but Cassius Stanley, this man, if you do not know about Cassius Stanley, uh, get in the know about him. First of all, I think he's going to be steel in the draft class, not even just talking about his dunking ability. I'm so surprised he slipped as low as he did, and he went to a good organization in the Pacers, which I like to see. But this dude, Cassius Stanley, went to Duke, one of the most prestigious colleges uh, in all of college basketball, potentially the most prestigious college. And he had the highest vertical in Duke history, higher than Zion Williamson. This dude has one of the highest verticals in the league. And I think he is going to pull off some crazy Zach Levine type of dunks. People are going to be surprised by Cassius Stanley. It is, again, about his creativity because obviously jumping out of the, the gym doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great in a dunk contest. But I think Cassius Stanley is going to do some crazy stuff uh, because being so uh, athletic as he is just gives him a big canvas to work with and allows him to pull off a bunch of creative stuff. Uh, so I'm excited to see how this one plays out without the fans. I'll be interested to see what the energy is. And I, I definitely got Cassius Stanley as my winner of the 2021 AT&T Slam Dunk Contest at All-Star Weekend. Next thing I want to talk about is the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. And the competitors we got in this one is Robert Covington, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, getting away who I think is going to come in last place, it, it has to be Robert Covington. I mean, it would be obviously very, very cool to see Robert Covington win in a, in a weekend where they're honoring HBCU colleges for him to be the only player to come from one of those colleges in the NBA. That'd be really cool. Uh, but he just doesn't have the skills of these other guys. Robert Covington has never made a pass where I've thought it's impressive. He's never pulled off like an impressive crossover. He's just a guy who's a 3 and D player, but he's not even that good at shooting. Obviously, the skills challenge is a lot of luck, and it's very, very random. So he could easily surprise me, but I just can't really see him winning. Uh, second to last, I would probably have to go with Nikola Vucevic. Just due to the fact that he's uh, going to be slower than these guard players for sure. Uh, he is a guy who is a pretty good passer, uh, good shooter as well. So I could definitely see him 
uh, being a bit of a surprise for people. But I just always think it's going to be harder for the bigs to win it. I think the guards and the wings are just naturally better at this type of thing due to them being more athletic and more speedy most of the time. Uh, Who would be next? That's kind of a tough decision. I'd probably go... I'd probably go DeMontis Sabonis. It's kind of a toss-up between him and Julius Randle for me. Sabonis, very, very good passer. He's shooting the ball better this year. And again, it's it's very random. So I could see any of these guys coming in first or coming in last. But I'd probably go him. Uh, then Julius Randle. Wouldn't be surprised if Julius Randle wins it. You know, first-time All-Star in the big market of New York. It would be it would be really cool to see Julius Randle win it for sure because he's changed the narrative that so many people put on him, myself included. And that would be a definitely really, really exciting thing to see. But I just think those guards are probably going to be faster. Number two would be Chris Paul for me. Obviously, such a good passer, such a good shooter. And I definitely think he has a really good shot to win. But you, if you know me... I got to go with my boy, Luka Doncic. I mean, there's no other way around it. Luka's my favorite player. I got to roll with him to win at the end of the day. And he's such a good passer, has shot the ball really well recently. Hopefully that can continue in the skills challenge. He showed off that range to hit those deep shots. He hit that like half court against Trey Young. And I just, at the end of the day, really want to see Luka win. I'm not super interested in the skills challenge, to be honest, but it should be uh, somewhat fun at least. And then the three-point competition, we got, uh, we had Devin Booker, but he's being replaced by Mike Conley due to D-Book being injured. Then we got Jalen Brown, Stephen Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Shout out to my Boston boys, both getting in there. That's obviously very, very exciting to see. Uh, but getting rid of who I think is going to get out first, uh, for me, it's got to be Mike Conley. I mean, Mike Conley's a good shooter. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he's on the level as a shooter of these other guys at the end of the day. Uh, these are some of the better shooters in the league, and I just don't think he's going to really be able to keep up with it. He doesn't have like a super quick release or anything, and he's not like an absolute sniper. So I just can't really see him uh, winning this one. Going out number two. I'd probably, unfortunately, have to go with Jason Tatum. I love me some Jason Tatum, second favorite player in the league. Uh, but he's just been struggling to shoot recently, so I kind of expect that to carry over uh, to the three-point competition. Obviously, if he won, I would be through the moon. I would be really, really happy. Even if he came, like, top two, top three, that would be uh, very exciting. But I just think these other guys are probably going to outshoot him. Uh, the next guy to get out, I'd probably have to go with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he's been a great shooter this year, and I could definitely see him just catching fire and winning this one. Uh, but I just don't think he's going to outshoot these top three guys. I think uh, him and Jalen Brown are going to be pretty close to each other. I think Tatum and him could be pretty close to each other, but I'd probably have to go him out. And then number three, unfortunately, I'd have to go Jalen Brown. Uh, very good shooter, but he's more of a, an amazing mid-range shooter. I do think he'll surprise some people in the three-point competition, but I just don't think he's on the level of uh, Stephen Levine. And then number two, this is going to be surprising, but I'm going Stephen Curry. I got Zach Levine winning this. Obviously, Steph is the greatest shooter of all time, and if he won, I would not be surprised at all, and I think it's more likely than not he'll win. But I just have this weird feeling that Zach Levine's going to win. After getting snubbed last year, he's had by far the best season of his career. He's been on a whole nother level. He's been dominating. Uh, he's been shooting the ball at a ridiculous rate. 
And I think for more casual fans, he wants to uh, just show that he he's much more than a dunker. Man barely even dunks anymore. And that he's actually one of the best three-point shooters in the league and is an absolute sniper. Uh, so I, I got him winning the three-point competition. It's kind of a... It, it's kind of a toss-up of a pick. I could see any of these guys winning, to be honest. Uh, but I got Zach Levine. I think he's just going to be on fire that night. And now, the all-star game. Uh, I'll just go over the roster real quick. We got Team LeBron, obviously Captain LeBron James. He picked Giannis, Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Paul George, DeMontis Sabonis, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, then Team Durant. Kevin Durant, injured, he's not playing, which is pretty unfortunate. And then we got Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, and Jason Tatum, uh, James Harden, Devin Booker, who's going to be replaced by Mike Conley, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I got Team LeBron winning this game. Uh, they're definitely the more talented roster. I could see uh, Team Durant surprising some people and going kind of crazy, but at the end of the day, I just expect the more talented roster to win. Team LeBron is crazy this year, and it's not even just talent. This team fits really well together, too, which is crazy. you got amazing playmaking like Jokic, Luka, Steph, and LeBron. you got Giannis feeding off of those playmakers. you got the post presence in Jokic. Uh, the shooter and Steph, Luke is going to be attacking the basket, LeBron. You got Dame, who, spoiler, is my all-star game MVP coming off the bench. Versatile Ben Simmons. Chris Paul, who I wouldn't be surprised if is closing down the stretch because we all know how good Chris Paul is. You got Jalen Brown, Paul George, Sabonis, Gobert. Like, this team is nice. LeBron did a hell of a job picking the team. and uh, Team Durant obviously has a ton of talent because it's the all-star game. There's going to be talent no matter what. But KD not playing just really hurts this team. And is, and now that Devin Booker, who was their seventh pick, uh, gets replaced by Mike Conley, that also hurts the team. Uh, they're just the worst roster at the end of the day. And Damian Lillard, like I said, is my MVP. I think he's just going to go off. I think he's going to be pissed that he wasn't the starter, even though Luka's having a very good year as well. And I think he's just going to be out for vengeance, especially with Steph being on his team. I think he's going to have a little bit extra motivation to go crazy uh, because Luka and Steph are two players that a lot of people think are better than him. And they're both uh, point guards as well. They both play the same position as him. So it's going to give him that extra motivation, that extra flair. And again, I just think he's going to go off this game. He's going to go berserk. Uh, I could see anybody winning. And it's always so random who wins All-Star Game MVP. Like, it's almost impossible to predict. But I just think Dame is going to be extra motivated to go crazy. And he's going to just have an incredible game but yeah those are my all-star predictions for the 2021 all-star weekend i'm gonna take a break and i'll be right back okay i'm back to talk about who should be buyers and sellers at the 2020 mb1 uh, 2021 mba tread trade deadline we're gonna be going through every single team and i'm gonna say if they should buy sell or stay buy means go all in get the players that could help your roster be better right now stay 
uh, just means keep the same roster. I think they're good where they're at right now. And then sell means you should get away your assets and probably just give up on this season. Uh, we'll start off in the Eastern Conference with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think in my opinion, for the most part, they should stay. Uh, they should buy in just very, very small, minute ways. Uh, just getting little pieces that could help out their roster. Like if they made a trade for per se pj tucker that'd be a good move for them but i don't really think they need any major moves just little pieces on the bench uh could help but for the most part i think this roster is good uh the nets are in a similar situation they just need to buy and making very very smart savvy moves that would help out this roster and uh, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, we all know that could be much better for them. So they just need to get uh, decent players who can help on defense. And I think that would be uh, the way they could help their team the most. I think the Bucks uh, should probably buy, but I do like this roster for the most part uh, where it is right now. Love Bobby Portis off the bench. Obviously, they have a good starting lineup. I think their roster is good. I'll always say I'm more just worried about Mike Budenholzer as a coach holding back this team. But just strictly as a roster, I think this team is really, really nice. And they could just do little uh, pieces. Like, I think their guard defense off the bench could be a little bit better. Uh, they could always use as much shooting. But for the most part, this team is good. Uh, the Boston Celtics absolutely need to be buyers at the trade deadline. They're a team that needs to make moves. They've looked better recently, and I'm happy about that. Uh, but they cannot be satisfied with where they're at right now. They need to make moves, need to get more depth. Uh, need to get better wing play and definitely, definitely are going to be buyers at the trade deadline, especially with that Hayward trade exception. There's no excuse for this team not to be a buyer. Uh, the New York Knicks, I think they should just stay where they are. I really like the construction of this roster. I think it's a very, very nicely built roster. Obviously, they're not going to be like a crazy team or anything, but they're going to uh, put up a fight every single night. The coaching is great. I just like a lot of the young talent on this roster, and I'd much rather just have the New York Knicks all grow these guys, guys together and keep them while they're playing good basketball instead of making any major moves. Uh, I think the Miami Heat should definitely be buyers at the trade deadline. The thing that they need most is the four position. Uh, they really just don't have much there. They're really, really missing Jay Crowder, and that was definitely a huge free agency loss for them. Uh, so if they could get a four, I think this team could be uh, very, very good. Jimmy's been playing great basketball. Bam has been good all year. And now with Goran Dragic back, they've definitely looked better recently. 7-3 and three in their last 10. So if they could somehow get that 4 to complete their team or maybe make a Victor Oladipo trade, I think that would be an amazing move for them. I think the Charlotte Hornets have to be buyers at the trade deadline. I love, 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 love the Nikola Vucevic to Charlotte Hornets rumor so much. I think that's a beautiful fit for them. This team is really nice. Uh, got a lot of talent on here. Got a lot of young players. And if they could get that center of the future, I think that's where they put everything together and raise their team to a whole nother level. Uh, the Raptors are definitely a bit of a interesting and weird case for me where I don't I just don't know what this team should do to be honest like they're playing solid recently but I think once the Pacers are healthy they'll be better than them the Hawks are creeping up a little bit uh whew. I'm gonna say they should be sellers and that's mostly coming from the fact that I think 
Kyle Lowry could be traded just due to how good Fred Van Vliet's been playing, but that's definitely a weird case. Uh, the Bulls, I would just keep this roster. They've been decent this year. Uh, definitely been around where I expected, which is good. Levine's been great. Uh, I mean, if you could make Alonzo Ball trade, do it. If you could get uh, some more veteran players, do it. But for the most part, I really like this team and like where they're going. I just think the only move that they could make that would be good is Alonzo Ball trade. And, and with how well he's been playing, I don't even think that's really realistic. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, uh, they're at a really, really weird spot. At this point, I would just stay because you don't really have much flexibility to make big moves. At this point, you just kind of need to get healthy and hope things start to turn around. It's just kind of a lost season for the Indiana Pacers, to be honest. So I would just keep the team and more reevaluate the roster once we see when they're fully healthy uh, in the offseason. The Atlanta Hawks, I would I would probably... Um, this, is a, this is definitely another really tough team to decide what they should do just due to the fact that they are pretty close to being in the play-in and the east is so close as a whole that they could really climb up john collins is a super interesting player as far as potential trades i would probably oof, i would probably sell see the thing is like i would sell somebody i'd also buy like I wouldn't mind if they traded uh, a couple of their players. but So I'm just going to say stay. They're a super weird situation. For the most part, I'm just going to say stay. Hopefully you can get healthy. And then in a very similar case to the Pacers, get healthy. See what this roster does look like when they're fully healthy. And then reevaluate it in the offseason. Uh, the Washington Wizards, I think this should be buyers at the trade deadline. They've been playing well recently, and I think this is their opportunity to try and take advantage and try and get into that play-in tournament. So you got to get this roster better. you got to continue to get more defenders on this roster, and I definitely think they should be buyers at the deadline. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think they should uh, be sellers uh, in the fact that I think they should maybe move on from a guy like Larry Nance if they want to go in more of a youth movement, which I think they are going to. Uh, but for the most part, I do like this roster, uh, and I do think they have most of their core. So maybe if you just traded Larry Nance to a team that really needs some defensive help, you could get some picks out of that, continue to bolster up your future. So I would sell some of the veterans, but for the most part, this team uh, is where they need to be asset-wise. Uh, the Orlando Magic, I would definitely sell. I mean, this team has dealt with so many injuries. They're just not a good team this year. I think it's time to go uh, in a new era and go in a new direction in Orlando. Vucevic has been great for them, and he's the only reason they win games. But I just think at this point, it's kind of a lost cause continuing to have him on the roster. At this point, I just want to see him freed. I want to see him traded to somewhere we could at, where he could actually help winning basketball. And it's just a lost season for them. And the Pistons should absolutely sell. Really like what they're doing. I uh, love what Troy Weaver is doing over there at, as a GM. So if they can move on from a DeLon Wright, uh, Mason Plumley, and get assets, which I think you can because those guys could be solid role players on good teams, uh, I would definitely try and trade those uh, guys. A team who needs another ball handler and a team who needs a backup center would definitely love both of those guys on the roster. I think their young core is pretty nice. So just continue to trade the old guys and continue to get assets for the future. Now going on to the Western Conference for the Utah Jazz. I would just stay where you guys are at. 
Uh, I really just don't think there's much flexibility for this team. Uh, but that's a good thing. This team is right where they need to be, looking absolutely perfect, uh, shooting the ball very, very well. They haven't been as great in their last 10, uh, but they're still a very good team. And at this point, there's not really anything that's like a glaring hole. The only thing is maybe another playmaker off the bench, but this team is perfectly fine where they are. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. I love this team so, so much. I think it's one of the most beautifully constructed rosters in the entire league. So I would just keep it where it's at. The backcourt is fantastic. They got some good guards off the bench. The wings on this team, gritty, good defenders. They all fit super well. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's a good big. Dario Sarge has been uh, very good playing the backup center and the backup four as well. Playmaking like he's always been able to, but he's finally been putting that role to play and make. I think Jalen Smith can grow throughout the year. This team is just nice where they're at, and I would definitely just keep with them. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, I think they're still going to be uh, the championship team. Obviously, they haven't looked great since Anthony Davis has gone down. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, but I still think they're better than every other team in the league. Uh, I just think at this point, you're just waiting for Anthony Davis to be healthy. Uh, obviously you want to improve your roster if you can, but I just don't really see a clear avenue for them to do so. Like if they could get a more consistent shooter, uh, instead of Wesley Matthews, that'd be great. But like, what is Wesley Matthews value on the market? I don't really think it's anything. So I would just stay where they are. Uh, the Clippers, I would definitely be buyers at the deadline, mostly coming from the fact that I think they need a playmaker. And if you could somehow get your hands on Kyle Lowry, and like a three-team trade or just a direct trade, please do everything you can to do that. Uh, you would have to put Luke Kennard in that trade, which he hasn't been impactful with them anyway. You'd probably have to give up a good piece of Marcus Morris, and then you would have to address the four position even more uh, after that. But I just want them to get a playmaker so, so bad. I think that would be the thing that takes them to the next level. So if you could get a Kyle Lowry or even a lesser level and just get a solid playmaker, that'd be huge for them. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, at this point, I mean, I feel like the roster is almost as good as it's going to be. I don't really know what they could get that would help that much at the trade deadline. At this point, I just want to see them get healthy, and I think they should just wait to get healthy. They're a good team, and I just don't think they have an avenue to get much better. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, I would definitely be trade. Uh, I would definitely be buyers at the trade deadline. I would uh, try and get just forwards who are versatile defenders. That's the thing that they need uh, the most. Get a PJ Tucker on the roster. I'm gonna recommend a lot of people get PJ Tucker, but that's a team that could definitely use someone like that. Uh, just need versatility at the forward position on the defensive side of the ball, and I think this team is good. Uh, but that's the thing that I think would really take them to the next level. So I would definitely be buyers and try and improve this roster. The San Antonio Spurs, I'm staying exactly where I am if I'm the Spurs. This team is nice, young talent, uh, a good number one option in DeMar DeRozan, solid bench. Like uh, This team isn't great, obviously, but they're very, very well-rounded, a good basketball team. And I would definitely keep uh, where they are because they are playing uh, much better basketball than expected and are surprising a lot of people. The Dallas Mavericks, I would definitely be buyers at the trade deadline. The team is really streaking right now, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Luka has been ridiculous. Like, Luka has been so crazy in their last 10 games, just dominating, man. He's been a blast to watch. He's been absolutely killing it. Jalen Brunson is balling. Uh, I would just... 
uh, try and continue to get more shooting around Luca, more consistent shooting is the big thing for me. Uh, maybe pull off a Victor Oladipo trade. His value is so low right now that you really wouldn't have to give up much for it. You got an expiring contract in James Johnson, which could definitely help you uh, get a pretty nice trade. You got Dwight Powell as well. I think they should definitely be buyers, and I think they could definitely improve their roster in a significant way and look scary going into the playoffs. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, I would just stick where they are. They have the Minnesota Timberwolves pick, which even though it's not looking like they'll get it this year, even though they still have a chance to get it, they would get their unprotected pick next year. Clay Thompson is coming back. And for me, uh, just like a lot of these other teams, their team that I would wait to see get healthy and wait to see what happens with the Timberwolves pick. And then the offseason is where you potentially make some big, big moves. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, I would... I would just stay where they are. I mean, the one thing that I would like to see them get if they could get it is just an explosive score off the bench. But other than that, this team is performing well, even without Jaron Jackson Jr., who, in my opinion, is their best player. So I would just wait till he gets healthy, which should be pretty soon. And I think this roster is definitely going to be at least a play-in team and could be really dangerous. So I would just stay where uh, I was if I was the Memphis Grizzlies. The New Orleans Pelicans, I would definitely sell. A lot of these players don't fit together. It's why they're super underwhelming. Uh, a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder has the same record as them, even with much less talent. And it's because the Pelicans don't fit together. So if you could somehow get rid of Eric Bledsoe, please do it. Uh, just try and get better fit on this roster because roster fits terribly together. Uh, the Thunder, I would just, I mean, I would sell like George Hill. Uh, and I would try and get anything for Trevor Ariza, who hasn't even played a game for them. But for the most part, this team has their core. Uh, if you could trade Al Horford, which I think would probably be more of an offseason move just because that's one less year on his contract. Uh, we'll see if he can keep this play up for an entire year. I just think you could uh, trade some of your smaller veterans. But for the most part, this team is pretty solidified. Uh, the Kings, I would be sellers. Uh, at this point, your season is lost. You guys are not a good basketball team. Uh, one of the worst teams in the league, tied with the Cavs right now for, what is that, the sixth worst team in the league, fifth worst team in the league. Uh, they're bad this year. Simply enough, they're too up and down, and recently it's been a whole lot of down, so I would try and trade like Harrison Barnes to maybe the Celtics, get get some first-round picks for that. You know, I think that would be a great move for them. Uh, yeah, I would just try and get rid of your veterans. Uh, maybe the only thing I would uh, try and get is just more depth, but... At this point, I think it's a lost season for the Kings. The Rockets should be the biggest seller at the deadline. At this point, you, your team just needs a complete reset. You need to stop trying to be a formidable formidable basketball team because even with you trying to be decent, you guys have lost 13 in a row. Obviously, Christian Wood being out doesn't help. Everybody knows that, but your team just isn't that great anyway, so you need to trade P.J. Tucker, maybe trade Daniel House, Ben McLemore, just... At this point, I think you need a hard reset. Get as much assets as you can. It's going to be a long rebuild, and you have to accept it at this point. You have to accept that the James Harden trade, even though you got all those picks, was a bit of a mistake. Try and get rid of all depot because he clearly doesn't want to be there. Get any value out of him and just trade the vets. And the Timberwolves, I would I'd be sellers, I guess. I mean... This roster just is bad. Like, this team is really, really bad. Can't stay healthy, and it's just not a good constructed roster anyway. Uh, if you could get a four, 
that is a defensive guy alongside Carl Anthony Towns, I think that would be great. And if you could get any forwards, to be honest, that can shoot, I would do that. But I would honestly move on from some of these young guys because even if I do think they can be good, I don't think they're going to be good with the Timberwolves. Josh Okoge, very good defender, and you want that, but he can't hit a three-point shot to save his life. Jarrett Culver, I think at this point his confidence is completely crushed with Minnesota, so he probably has to go somewhere else. This team's kind of a lost cause, but I, I guess they should be sellers. I mean, if you could get like Aaron Gordon, that'd be cool, but this team is just this team is just pretty, pretty bad. Now I want to talk about the 2020 NBA draft and how they are proving everyone wrong. This was a class that I was much higher on than most people, uh, just due to the fact that I thought this class was really, really deep, and I thought a lot of people were underrating that. Uh, and it really, really just confused me how so many people refused to see that while this class didn't have crazy, just top-tier talent, this crap class is incredibly deep, and that's the thing that has stood out so far. Obviously, you got the top three picks, which were the guys who stood out the most in this class. We all know how good LaMelo Ball is. I've talked about him so much that I'm not going to talk about him a ton in this video, but he's proved so many people wrong. I was a big LaMelo Ball guy. I thought he should have been the number one pick in the draft, but I didn't even think he was going to be this good early. Uh, the way he's been playing since he's been a starter is how I thought he'd be in his like prime, which is like a 20 to 22 point score. Uh, like six and a half rebounds, like seven assists, but he's basically doing that as a rookie ever since he started. He's been better on defense, is shooting the ball well. He's an absolute stud, proving everyone wrong, and he's completely getting rid of the narrative that even though this still isn't crazy of a top-heavy class, like LaMelo Ball is still a stud, and you have a potential top five to top ten player in LaMelo Ball coming out of this class, which is better than most classes, so... That's already really, really good right there. You got Anthony Edwards, who is super inconsistent, has had a rough rookie season, uh, but I do think he could be good in the future. James Wiseman, who people are already giving up on, which I don't understand. James Wiseman only played three college games. He's basically coming out as a high schooler in already the weirdest year to come out in the draft. Uh, he's just not ready in a lot of ways and I don't think that's a problem at all he's a guy who's super athletic uh, he has a lot of really nice talents I just think at this point he needs time and he needs to figure out the NBA game which I was always worried about but I do think Golden State is the perfect spot for him to do that and I think he'll develop Patrick Williams another guy who surprised a ton of people me included I like Patrick Williams but I didn't think he uh, should have been the fourth overall pick and I was in the same boat as most people with that but he has been great this year like he's not a super special player but he's already just really really solid in the fact that he is a really smart defender is a decent uh, scorer as well who could shoot the ball well enough who slashes to the basket well uh, Isaac Okoro guy who's had a rough rookie season it's what I expected he is a guy who worries me about him being a potential bust, but I think he could be good in the future. Onyeka Kongwu really hasn't got the opportunity yet. Excited to see what he can do in the future, though, because I love me some Onyeka Kongwu. Killian Hayes had a really rough rookie season, was probably the worst player in the NBA, but do not give up on Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, in my opinion, is still going to be a very good guard, an all-star caliber player. He just needs patience, needs time, 
And I think once he gets healthy, he'll have a big second year and bounce back in a big way. Obi Toppin really hasn't gotten the opportunity uh, that you would like uh, just due to the fact that he's a backup four behind Julius Randle. And I do think he was a guy who was overrated coming into the draft. I think that was an overrated pick. And he's just not that great considering how old he is. He's literally a day uh, – I think he's a day younger than Jason Tatum as a rookie. I don't think that was a great pick, but Denny of Dia, I think he could be awesome in the future. Uh, I just think he hasn't really gotten the role he deserves, but he's going to be a really nice player. Jalen Smith, a lot of people are really criticizing that pick, but I think he'd be good. Devin Vassell has a super bright future, perfect fit in uh, with the Spurs. Tyrese Halliburton, massive steal. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Gets an A-plus for sure. Uh, it's just been a complete stud and does everything right. Uh, Keira Lewis is a guy who I think uh, could be really good in the future. I just think the Pelicans was a really weird spot. Aaron Nesmith is turning up. But then going outside the lottery, it's the depth of this class that stands out. You obviously have to talk about Emmanuel quickly, who has been great this year off the bench for the Knicks and as a starter as well. He's been just phenomenal as a guy who can shoot the ball, elite floater game, Competes on defense. He's just a stud. Uh, Sadiq Bey, a guy who so many people slept on this man. Sadiq Bey is an absolute stud and has been really, really good for the Pistons. I can't believe he slipped as low as he did. Another guy who just adds to the depth of uh, this class. Someone who went undrafted, Jay Sean Tate, who's number six in the rookie ladder currently. Guy, very good defender. Good hustle guy, shoots the ball, rebounds well, and he just is a big-time effort guy. Uh, a guy who I didn't even really know about, and I scouted like 75 people, and I didn't even know about him. Uh, Desmond Bain, an absolute steal. People need to stop sleeping on four-year college players. I don't care that he doesn't have as high of a ceiling as a lot of these other people do. He is going to be a player that is impactful to winning throughout his entire career. Desmond Bain is an absolute stud. Tyrese Maxey has great potential as a bench guy for one of the better teams in the NBA. I think he's going to be a bucket off the bench for a long, long time. Peyton Pritchard has been an absolute steal for the Celtics. Elite backup point guard already and is going to be a player who I think uh, is just really, really solid throughout his career and uh, is going to be really nice. Xavier Tillman, another player on the Grizzlies. They continue to nail their draft picks. He's been really nice for them. Saban Lee has been hooping for the Pistons. Another great pick by them. Thilo Maladon has been playing very, very well uh, for the Thunders. And he looks like a player who has quite a lot of potential. I like uh, Theo quite a lot. And there's so many guys who haven't even played yet that I think have a lot of potential. And this is the thing that I think could really raise this class to a whole nother level to being a potentially pretty decent class is these guys who haven't gotten minutes yet, but I think could be really, really good. Uh, the guys that are in Dallas, I think have crazy potential in uh, Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay, uh, Tyler uh, Tyrell Terry reminds me of Seth Curry, but maybe even a little bit better. Uh, and then uh, Tyler Bay reminds me of Jeremy Grant. You got the guys in Sacramento who I think are both very, very good. Robert Woodard, he's an OG Ananobi type of player. Jamius Ramsey, Terrence Ross type of electric, explosive score who I think could be a bucket. 
uh, Isaiah Joe, another guy in that similar mold. Uh, Elijah Hughes, all these guys are explosive scorers who I think could be elite players off the bench. Skylar Mays has surprised for the Atlanta Hawks and has been uh, actually really solid. Cassius Stanley, one of the most athletic players in the NBA and is a good shooter as well. Jay Scrub, crazy raw skills, uh, just needs time to develop, and I think he could be nice to the future. Jaden McDaniels has had a ton of nice moments for the Timberwolves, and he has a lot of potential. Uh, just needs to put everything together, and I think he could be really good. Another guy on the Timberwolves, uh, Leandro Barmalo. I think he could be really nice in the future. He's just another guy who needs development, needs time. RJ Hampton, I think he could be a steal if he continues to develop, and he's had nice moments uh, for the Nuggets. Zeke Najee's been a good pick for the Nuggets as well. Precious Achua could be really nice for the Heat. Josh Green reminds me of Ga uh, Gary Harris when Gary Harris was formidable on offense. Cole Anthony, he's been injured, but he had some great moments uh, for the Orlando Magic. Alexis Pokusevsky has one of the higher ceilings in the league as a guy who could potentially be a unicorn type of player. Precious Atua could be one of the best backup bigs in the NBA for the Miami Heat. Super high energy player. Kind of reminds me of like a more like put together Montrez Harrell, especially on the defensive side of the ball or like a Rashawn Holmes type of player. There's just so many guys in this draft class. Malachi Flynn, I think he could be a starting point guard and could be a really solid one. There are so many guys in this class who are good basketball players, who came from good programs, uh, and especially a lot of these older players who are already uh, in the league right now impact, impacting winning, even though... Uh, they were drafted later. And then you have a ton of these super high ceiling guys who may not turn out to be anything, but I think could be really, really good in the future. So many people slept on this 2020 NBA uh, draft class. And even as someone who was high on it, they're proving me wrong. There are a lot of studs in this class. I'm so excited to follow the careers of these guys because I was super invested into it. And especially because it was the first year I've ever done in-depth scouting of like an entire draft class. It had a really special place in my heart. And I really have enjoyed just watching all these guys. I can't wait to see how these guys grow uh, and on a complete side tangent, I'll tell you a little bit of like personal information. I'm getting into like investing into cards, and I'm starting to invest into some of the uh, prospects in this draft class who I think are going to be good in the future, but aren't like really anything right now. Uh, already got a uh, signed Elijah Hughes card. Uh, unfortunately, got outbidded on Daniel Aturo, but I want to try and get some cards of him because I think he's going to be uh, very good. Uh, I'm trying to get. Uh, some Robert Woodard cards. I'm trying to get Malachi Flynn. I'm trying to get Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay, especially Tyler Bay. I'm really investing into him right now. Trying to get some Desmond Bain. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I'm really, really interested in, in the future. And it's just another little fun thing to make me even more invested into this class. But that was a bit of a tangent. Uh, I do hope you enjoyed this segment about the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, it's been great to watch these guys, and they're surprising everyone this year. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.